0: Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, host and creator of the podcast and SoulfulLiving.com. This is the place people will connect you to their stories, their journeys, and how they've found meaning in their lives. Join us. Let's connect. Connect. I'm here with Lee Harper, a picture book author and illustrator who has impacted my life because Lee, I love your renderings. I feel like, you know, Woolbur is a person that's been part of our life. Your turkeys, the monkeys in, is it, is it looking um,
1: for the easy life? I think you're probably referring to,
0: can I tell you something? I read looking I read a, a lot of your books to my kids as they were going <laughs> to, to bed and looking for the easy life like they just love those monkeys <laughs> love those monkeys so thank you for putting you put out in the world I love that it that one
1: hasn't been read quite as much as uh, some of my other books it was a little misunderstood I think
0: I love <laughs> that book so, you know, I love Wilbur. I it mean, I love them all.
1: It was the most famous author I ever worked for, Walter Dean Myers. So this is quite an honor to illustrate for him.
0: And I love his rhythmic patterns because I've read other books by him. And I love the, rit- the rhythm of that book, actually, too. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, the illustrations to me are so lush and oh, vivid you. and each monkey in that book I think I also love it because there's like so many of them and they each have their personality and I I I loved that book I will just tell you
1: it was one of the interesting anecdotes about that one is when I was working on the characters I did a sketch of each character and I thought about each one's attributes like what kind of clothes does the monkey like to wear where does the monkey like to go on vacation and I had a list of all each one with all their attributes and I sent it to Walter Dean Myers and it was kind of cool because he wrote back that he did the exact same thing when he or he does the exact same thing when he's writing a story as he comes up with like a character study I guess I guess it's more common than I knew I I was just kind of making it up as I go along because I didn't really there's no where I don't that I know of where you learn these things really except just by doing them
0: I think that is such a an trait of when I look at your work I can see that I actually can see that and that's what makes it fun I mean as a parent I know I'm not alone I don't do it anymore my kids won't let me read to them but I would still (laughs) read to them if they would let me but you know you read a lot of books so you have to make it enjoyable for yourself at least that's the way I loved it so when there's a great little character or you know something that the kids can kind of latch on to and mm-hmm. either la I mean I think that I love laughter and I think that impacts them and mm-hmm. individuality so all of those things I think I love are to just- hear you
1: read uh, looking for the easy life sometime I'm always oh. curious to see what kind of voices people use for the different characters because I had a voice in my head when I was working on them that was another thing I like to think of like whose voice do they have like Betty Lou. It was uh, um, Gloria. Uh, not, is it Gloria Childs? Julia Childs. Yeah. She had that voice. So oh, I had,
0: interesting.
1: Bob Newhart was uh, Beauregard's voice. Like I just have these. Yes. Like I, I try to be able to hear them. and. As...
0: Okay. I'm going to have to go back <laughs> and read it and hear my own voice. And then I'll, you know, it's funny. One day I was reading to my daughter, my middle daughter, and she was really little. And I was so proud of myself. I don't know what book I was reading, but I was impressed with my acting skills. (laughs) I was changing up the voices. I was doing all of this acrobatic verbal work, I thought. And she looked up at me and she was like three and a half (laughs) probably. And she said, would you please stop? You're murdering my brain.
1: (laughs) That's a good one. Never heard that one.
0: I was so horrified because I thought I was, I thought, I thought I should get like a parenting medal. And she's like, Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> killing me. So anyway.
1: I think it's different um, when they're your own children. Because I think if you went into a classroom setting and the more outlandish you are, I think they kind of enjoy that more. It took me a while to get to the point where I could do that, being a naturally shy person. But over the years, I've realized that um, they're, they, they like that. <laughs> usually. They like it. And
0: unless, they're not just, unless they're your kid. <laughs> are non-judgmental. Like my other two would have loved it, but, um, but there's something about children too. It's kind of like doing crafts. I'm not craftsy at all. You know how you said you're a visualist. Mm-hmm. I am not, you know, I think in words and I process in words. And, um, so doing crafts with my kids, I was always stressed out about it. Like, cause my craft was horrible. And then I think I read somewhere, or maybe somebody told me they don't care they really don't care because with kids it's about the process mm-hmm. they're not adults judging this work they're just enjoying you know mm-hmm. so it's just an interest, and that brings me to one of the things that i find so interesting my favorite types of people in the world are creators you know people who put stuff out in the world like there are things that exist that didn't exist in this world because of you, Lee.
1: <laughs>
0: and that's cool. That is now, a
1: fun thing to think about sometimes.
0: <laughs> would you, did you always, were you a child who was always drawing, always doing art?
1: Is that? I was, I I was one of them. <laughs> I, yeah. uh, I always, uh, I always marvel that anyone becomes creative nowadays because there's so many distractions when I'm, old enough to have lived in a, grew up in a time when there weren't as many distractions. They're like on a rainy day, I would draw that would be like my entertainment. And and then it continued. And I drew all through school when I wasn't supposed to a lot.
0: (laughs) Did you think I'm going to be an artist? What was, or did you not think about
1: there was a time when I entertained it a little bit, but I didn't have any examples around me of like people whose job it was to be an artist. So I knew I liked it, but I didn't really see any path to becoming an artist. So my uh, my goal was to become a professional middle linebacker for the Chicago Bears, like Dick Butkus. That was my hero.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. I think this showed Ted Lasso. They said they kind of emulated Dick Butkus. The somehow the look i just saw that Uh,
1: yeah i could see that
0: so um so you want to be a football player i did not like (laughs) (laughs) no relatability there so and did you go to like did you go to school after high school did you continue your education did you get a job like what was that path like
1: after high school i i left home early um had some difficulties in my childhood and ended up uh living in Michigan and I went to high school out there and um, started working pretty early just regular whatever jobs I could find and then um wow my sister I was living with her in Michigan she was going to uh, Michigan and uh she got she went to Yukon and I went with her and there happened to be a really great school in a town called uh, Norwich Connecticut that had this incredible art department. So I just really lucked out. There was an art teacher there who took me under his wing, and and uh, that was uh, that was my high school experience. And that was that was a big uh, turning point in my life when I went to that art school and saw how amazing it could be.
0: So did you grow up around here, or did you grow up? Where did you grow up? I
1: grew up in a little town called Pittman, New Jersey, South Jersey, okay. about. I guess it was about 20 miles south of Philadelphia.
0: Okay. So you grew up in in Philadelphia, and then you ended up in Michigan, which must have been quite, I I don't know. My friend Roseanne, my best friend since first grade, (laughs) she moved to Michigan and she said, Amanda, I was so shocked because people are so friendly in Michigan. (laughs) She said they would wave to me while I was driving and I would think, do you know me? So what was that transition like?
1: That was uh, pretty hard for a young kid because it was, I remember it was a huge and growing school and they had, uh, they had like trailers, classrooms and trailers because the population was expanding faster than they could build schools. And being a quiet kid, uh, I didn't really make a lot of friends easy at that point in my life. So it was and I was not there for a real long time. So I didn't really. And after school, I was working. So I didn't really get a real sense of the place. To be honest, I wasn't there that long.
0: Yes. So I just have a side question to ask you, because it's always interesting to me. And especially when you're talking about just making friends. What trait do you look for in people like prospective friends or friends what is your what do you like about certain people
1: Uh, humor is important to me I always like someone with a sense of humor Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, yeah I don't know like people who are compassionate towards other people I think is Mm -hmm. a quality that I like in people and I like you I sort of gravitate toward creative people too
0: yeah yeah um so then you graduate high school loving art and having found a little home and then where did you go
1: so let's see uh, it was the norwich free academy and they really uh, there was a teacher frank novak who kind of took me in under his wing and he helped me get a uh, portfolio together that got me a half tuition scholarship to the pennsylvania academy of fine arts
0: that's phenomenal
1: so that's in philadelphia and that kind of got me going in the artistic direction.
0: Wow. Wow. Did you feel like I found my home? I love this, this is what I'm gonna do. I
1: did, it was really nice because there was, they had a Slater Museum, it was called the Slater Museum and they had uh, casts to work from, which was really unusual for a high school to have like this whole building dedicated to art with casts and everything. And the people, the other kids who, you could kind of major in art in this high school. so Oh, how the, cool. I That's so cool. I feel like, oh, I'm around like, I often feel like an oddball when you're an artist in like a regular yes. high school. So I felt it was nice to uh, have other people with the same interest.
0: Yep, I can totally with. understand that. So how did you go from this to where you are now? To, you Oh
1: know, boy, <laughs> it was a long <laughs> <laughs> I I visit a lot of schools and when I tell my, when I tell of my journey, I sometimes mm-hmm. worry that I might discourage children from pursuing a journey like mine because my first book didn't come out until I was 48. <laughs> so it took a right. little, but
0: I love time. that. Yeah. But
1: I, uh, after college, I got married and next thing you know, I was uh, a father and yep. it's, uh, you know, it's a little hard, I couldn't figure out how to make a living at art. So I took jobs. I was uh, managing the Newman Galleries Art and Framing Restoration Workshop in Philadelphia for several years. And after that, I started my own framing business. You know, you're just trying to.
0: Right. You're still in that world though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was looking at a lot of art, but during those years, I wasn't making so much art, but I think it helped just being around it and seeing it come and go. And
0: I totally get that. I mean, I have a daughter who loves to write and she's a writer and she's like, where do I want to work? (laughs) A publishing company, you know? I mean, you just kind of want to be in the mix of that thing that you love. Yeah. Did you always know I want to be an illustrator?
1: No, um, I wanted to be a fine artist. Mm -hmm. And I was actually with a gallery in Stockton for a while. And (laughs) you'd probably be be surprised to know I was doing abstract painting. And selling some, not enough to really make a career out of it. But I, uh, I always wanted to be a gallery artist. And I think it was having kids and, you know, reading so many picture books with them that started me on the path to thinking about being a picture book illustrator. And another thing that changed was when I was younger and I had gone through a difficult period in my life when I was younger art was kind of like therapy for me that was like my escape route I Mm -hmm. had art to help me through hard times and as my life improved I didn't have the same thing motivating me to do art and Mm -hmm. I wasn't as driven to do it because I didn't really need the therapy or something so I
0: I get that (laughs) interesting yeah it's like songwriters You know, when something really sad happens, they go write a song.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and I still do that. But then I that's when I started thinking about, like, it has become more for other people, like thinking about this is maybe not so much for myself anymore, but it's for the reader. And that was a big change, like doing just art that's for yourself and and then changing to doing art that with someone else in mind. Like, I'm always thinking of the reader can the will the child respond to this like trying to look at it from a different perspective than my own (laughs) so that was a big change yeah
0: I have to say illustrators are some of my very favorite artists always I mean when I was younger my mother would you know we would look through the library and find you know the best illustrators and like if if like NCY illustrated something, I was like, oh, get this book, you know? And a lot of our like book decisions when I was little were centered around the illustrations.
1: Mm -hmm. Same. And I
0: guess that, yeah. I mean, well, you're, especially before you're extremely verbal too. I mean, that is telling your story,
1: Mm -hmm. you know? I I always try to put as much into them as I can because I remember when I was young, I could sort of tell, when something was just a commercial project and they were just trying to sell me some candy-coated cereal. So I I try to, maybe I I don't, don't try not to underest, underestimate the audience.
0: Do you get um, like stressed out when you're doing it? You know, it just suddenly hit me. So if you're illustrating a book, do you feel nervous about it like when I'm writing an article for somebody I start to get sometimes in my head about Mm -hmm. what they're going to think like does that happen to you?
1: It does and one of the things that was tricky to get used to with illustrating um, is there's I'll be like drawing just drawing for three months and then I'll hand in the drawing that's actually the stage that I'm at now I just handed in my drawing And it's been a couple of weeks now since I handed in the drawing. So then you start to think, oh no, they hate it. They're coming up with all these things that they're going to want me to change. And it's really mostly in my imagination because they're really busy. They have like a lot of books, but for me, this is like the only thing I'm working on. So I get stressed out when there's breaks and then you always worry about how it will be received once it is out but the actual the actual work I don't get too stressed out about anymore maybe more in the beginning but I guess after a while you get a level of confidence
0: what about your you know process your discipline because you talk to a lot of artists whether they're visual or you know writers or that say well I wait for the mood to strike but when Mm -hmm somebody's waiting on you you can't really wait to be inspired or do you what is your process
1: my process what helps me is I have this is my schedule I'm going on by right now and I have uh, I have to break it down because a book is a long process like these uh the ones that I'm working on now have been the turkey trouble series which has really taken off and they're 40 pages and it's a lot of work. They're all very detailed, lots of details in all of them. And so I find that I just break it into like on by 316, I had to have two pages, two and three drawn. And that mm-hmm. sort of uh, takes a little of the pressure off because it's like, oh, I, that's no big deal to draw this page in a day.
0: And you make that schedule for yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So usually they'll they'll have a project in mind for me. I'll, I'll get the manuscript. And uh, this is my, uh, I think this, this is my new one. <laughs> Make sure. Oh,
0: that... okay. So you get the manuscript. Turkey's
1: Birthday Bash by Wendy Silvana. So this is the one I just finished the drawings for. So I'll get the manuscript. I'll review it. And I'll think about like what I've got going on in my life. Like if I have a ton of school visits I try to fact. I try to think of everything like really think how long is this actually going to take and then I'll get back to them and say I think I can have it by this date and then they'll write that into the contract and once it's in the contract then there is a little pressure to you don't want to be late (laughs) if you keep working and uh, my publishers have been very um, good with me as far as giving me the time that I need which I'm really appreciative appreciate
0: so like what does life look like you're at in your job like what does it look like you have school visits you have what What does your what is your life like
1: it's funny my working life well I have the farming life
0: yes <laughs> and the working right?
1: because, life the, my, right. the real job that pays the bills or helps pays pay the bills so they're Kind of totally different things the farm life is more regimented it's Krista my yeah. wife Krista does the mornings with the animals she goes out lets the chickens out of the coop feeds the animals and whatever needs to be done she does the mornings and I'm an early I work I start work early early I'm in the studio by seven or eight each day and but I usually knock it off by three or four and then that's when I do the farm things with um The illustrating side of what I do, it really changes from time to time. It really, it depends. Right now I'm in the waiting stage to get notes back from my editor. So I'm doing things like uh, working on, I build chicken coops or pig pens or mend fences and things like that when I have the breaks, it kind of works out somehow. Um, Sometimes I might just be drawing every day. And once I get, the revisions approved for what I'm working on now, then i will be painting for five or six months, just painting every day. So it really depends. And then I mix in with that school visits, which um, from year to year that can really change from 30, I think was the busiest year I ever had. This year, I think I might've done about 10 school visits. So wow. it's, uh, something, it's always something different. <laughs>
0: Well, I just have to say, it's interesting that you even have this farming life that you're talking about. Your wife, Krista, is a lawyer, so I I kind of chuckled when you said she has the morning duties. <laughs> it's not what you would typically think when yeah. you say that somebody's an attorney. What made you guys want this extra stuff in your life? Sheeps. I don't know.
1: We always uh, dreamed of it. I know Krista, she always had her garden in the backyard and That was kind of like her happy place—is that garden. And we always thought we might like to have a little bit more land to do some more with. It was a dream. And uh, we kind of thought it might happen later in our life. But um, there was uh, family circumstances uh, changed all that. And we ended up making the big jump a little earlier than we thought. And it was uh, a crazy time as a big transition, but um, we're both loving it.
0: And can I ask what was your like big break? How because I'm sure that there are people listening who are thinking, I'd love to do what Lee's doing. (laughs) And how did you connect to a company to serve as an illustrator, or did you connect as an author? Which did you connect?
1: Um, when I I didn't really know anything about the business, and I was still had my framing business, but I had a customer who um, had done some books, and I asked her for some advice, and she recommended the SCBWI, which is, stands for the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. They have conferences that you can attend, so I signed up for one, and I. I, I learned a lot. There are some really inspiring speakers there. Peter Catalanada was there and he had some words that still resonate with me to this day. And that was like 20 years ago almost. But it, it was, you know, just to do the work and um, also to do like a portfolio specific to children's picture books. If you want to be a picture book illustrator, it seems like common sense, but a lot of people would get out of art school. They'd have this wonderful portfolio, but it was like landscapes, figure drawings mm. or whatever. So I worked for the next year on a portfolio. And then I went to another conference the next year. And you can uh, you can meet art directors. You, you can sign up for a one-on-one meeting with an art director at these conferences. I happened to meet up with the art director at HarperCollins and showed her the portfolio. And uh, I wasn't even done uh, my i had in my mind this whole spiel i was going to recite kind of like what, yeah. I'm, what i'm going to say and i didn't have a chance to finish it she invited me up to new york to meet everybody at harper collins and wow that was kind of my discovery moment i, I was really? nine
0: <laughs> i can imagine that is so exciting Do, was, was there exciting. was there something in there like was wolver, <laughs> one of the- No, names. it was, was all,
1: no... it was kind of funny because it was all um, beavers. My characters were beavers and they were all doing things like playing t-ball or going camping. It was all stuff based on the experiences I was having with my children who Dan and Will were. Um, my two youngest were in elementary school, I think maybe in first and second grade. So it was, I had I had a built-in, um, focus group at home because I would do I started out doing more fine art type thing and I'd, I'd show them and then if I could get their attention for a minute away from Spongebob Squarepants or whatever they were looking at so I I tested everything out on them and oh. that's kind of what led me to a little bit to my style of lots of action and humor and expression because I, I was paying attention to what they responded to but there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of illustrations with sports. My first uh, Harper Collins first offered me a book about baseball, but because I was new, they wanted a, a few samples first. So I did some samples and they were really, really goofy. And the uh, the author said, I, I don't want this illustrator. <laughs> <laughs> i oh not supposed gosh. to be like, I don't want these goofy characters. So I was thinking oh man that was my big chance I blew it but a week later they came back with a manuscript for Woolber by Leslie Helikoski which was turned out to be really a book that resonated with a lot of people It got nominated oh. for state library yeah. awards and whatnot and that book really kind of got my career going because I've been pretty busy ever since there's been some times where it wasn't as busy but pretty much that's been a started. very
0: that was a Favorite favorite book of mine to read. I love it. I love the. That's one of those books too. The words and the pictures just kind of like, just go so well, and you fall in love. Your your illustration of wolver is just. Ugh, you just. I feel like he's alive. You know, it's just amazing.
1: It took um, a while to get to that point. <laughs> did
0: it? One of did the it? things
1: yeah. I show children, at when I do school visits, is some of the early drawings of wolver and. They were pretty terrible. (laughs) So
0: when you, did you submit those early drawings and they said, no, make them more like this?
1: Yeah, I kept trying, I kept submitting drawings and I think the art director might've been seriously having misgivings (laughs) about uh, hiring me to illustrate this book because (laughs) I, it just wasn't, I wasn't hitting the mark in the beginning. And then finally, I I just kept trying to, uh, I kept going out and I would visit uh, sheep farms and I met some great friends there still friends to this day that I met just from going out and just I tried to inundate myself with everything related to sheep and wool and knitting and you know to get inspired to help create this character and as as I started working on the character it started to change from a regular real actual sheep that walks on four legs and then when it started where he started standing on two legs and becoming anthropomorphized that's when he started to come to life and the more I draw, drew him then I could start to like really feel like he was for real and that's when I think there's a, a magic to that part of the process where you, it seems like it starts to feel real like I'm i am not really nowadays when I draw pictures I'm not really drawing pictures of um of turkey I'm drawing turkey like i I don't
0: know. <laughs> no, I know what you mean because and and can you feel that when that like starts to really happen can you go okay now I'm in it now I now can you feel it yourself?
1: You can. And sometimes yeah. it kind of is almost like the light goes on and then you're just feeling it.
0: Yeah. And question for you because the big challenge in life is dealing with those like punches like when you said here are here are my baseball figures and they're like yeah. never mind what is that in you that says, you know, what? I'm just going to keep on doing. It. I'm not going to fold up my stuff and and go home. Like, where does that come from?
1: That's a good question. I'm not really sure. Um, I was. I've been thinking about things like that more recently. As you get older, maybe I've been mm-hmm. more retrospective. Um, some of it, I think, might be like I'm making amends for past things I might have done wrong in in my youth and that I feel like I just have to work extra hard to make up for some things might be like I don't consciously think that but I might I kind of have come Somewhere. to realize that might be a little bit of what has driven me over the years because sometimes I, yeah. it's ridiculous how much work I've put into this thing and the amount of rejection I received I think right a logical person might think okay maybe I'll just like go back to my regular work
0: (laughs) you know what it's interesting because I think sometimes when if it's rooted in something that is unhappy or difficult or hard to it was a hard experience sometimes those experiences are what kind of or give us that motor within for good or for bad you know that just propel us And yet at the same time, I I think you're so wise to kind of look at that because I always talk about the fact that within many of us, not all of us, but within, I want to almost say most, there's this weird little thing, like, am I worthy? It's like, we're all here. We're all alive. Mm -hmm. We're all human doing human things. Of course you did bad things or made bad choices because everybody does. It comes with a package. You know, we're not saints. We're. You know, I feel like we wish we were more evolved and civilized than we actually are as human beings. Mm -hmm. And then we're hard on ourselves when we're not that. And it's just, I think that's part of almost everybody's journey on some level, if they're paying attention.
1: Yeah, I agree. That was one of the things that I learned that helped me uh, get past some of the things that troubled me. Is realizing it's pretty universal. Most people don't have this perfect life. And no,
0: I don't think. Yeah. I don't think so. And you know, as we're talking, um, one of my daughters walked by, and she's the one who really loves to write. And I remember when she was like in middle school, doing dealing with some middle school angst, trauma, whatever, I said, you know, hey, listen, if you want to be a writer, you cannot afford to live a life where it says, um, you know, Janie woke up, she had her breakfast, she lived a great, perfect day. She went to bed, she woke up, and the next day was great. (laughs) (laughs) Who would read that book? (laughs) Who would watch that movie? You know, these are You know, we are characters in our own like Greek tragedy or comedy or whatever it is. And of course, we have to overcome. It's part of the deal, you know, but it is interesting that.
1: I've been using a lot of farm analogies lately, but the other day I was, uh, Kristen, I've been working on the trees around here and there's one that had fallen over sideways and we just never really got around to fixing it. So we finally got around to fixing it and putting it upright, and you could tell it's sort of started to bend as it was growing so now it's always going to have this weird bend in it but I think it's going to be beautiful because of that which I guess is sort of the same thing
0: (laughs) that would be such a good book I'm there for that book Lee in all (laughs) your free time (laughs) I'm
1: so busy (laughs) illustrating I've kind of let the writing go by the wayside
0: Oh my gosh, I would be totally down for that book. And that would be a book you could give to adults. You know what I mean? You could just, there would be so much to do. Um, What is your favorite type of um, art to do? Is it the illustration or do you think, oh, I would really love to spend some time focusing on returning to when I did abstracts or is there something else? I think
1: it's the illustration. I'm pretty lucky because I think I found like what is my special sauce in it. It took a while because I really, I went all over the place early in my career trying realism and abstraction. And I think picture books is, I I still love it and I still want to make more books. So I think that's, I think that's my medium.
0: That's I, awesome. I
1: do like when I go on vacation and stuff, I like doing landscapes and I like doing figure drawings and I I still like doing other types of work, but I think the uh, the illustrating picture books is my favorite thing to do.
0: What is it you love about having your farm?
1: Oh, it's, uh, I was thinking about that. It's, uh, it's like my, uh, or I should say it's our, like, special place where it's just, uh, I was thinking, we had a a place in suburbia that was a great place to raise children lots of kids around to play with but it wasn't this place feels like kind of like a sanctuary mm. and there's a it's different in that way and it's uh it's been such an interesting experience learning how animals work and just uh, it's just been a real learning experience the, the whole thing and we find that um, one of the books that I read that inspired me when I read this a long time ago, Living at Nature's Pace. And I always liked the concept of that, like someday I want to live at nature's pace instead of just um, working nine to five. And I feel like we're doing that here because we're sort of guided by, we have to get up at sunrise, by sunrise, and we have to do things at sunset. So we are sort of, we go by the sunrise and the sunset. And that's been maybe one of the biggest changes that, and something that we love about the farm life.
0: Yeah, I, I really like that. You can, I, I that's inspiring, even for those of us who do not um, have or even wish for a farm.
1: <laughs> and, I know a lot of people who grew up on a farm who don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of work.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful to look at. Um, So what about if I'm a creative, do you have any advice, you know, for me or for anybody listening, if they're an artist or an author or Um, somebody who creates? Well, I
1: did, when I was breaking into the picture book business, I did kind of conscientiously think about like what style I wanted to do, like what was me. Um, Whenever I'm working on a new book, I sometimes come up with a new um, saying, like just some inspirational thing that will guide me. So what I've got on my wall now is back there behind me is uh, authenticity. So that's my guiding principle for the book I'm doing now. It's just kind of trying to be true to yourself with your art, I think is important. Um, Everybody I think has a unique voice And I think finding your voice, you don't always know what your voice is. I feel like when you asked me about picture books, I think the reason I like that is I think I found my voice in Mm. picture books. So I think finding your voice and being authentic. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's a good one. That's insightful. Um, And then finally, so if somebody said, Lee, what would be the lesson of your journey thus far? And I'm sure that there are countless lessons from your journey because we all have lessons. But if one just (laughs) popped into mind as a lesson from your journey, what would it be?
1: I've been thinking a lot lately about just kind of being kinder to yourself. Mm, (laughs) I've been kind of hard on myself. And um, I think what helped me with that is I returned to my hometown for a book launch a couple of weeks ago. And an old teacher came up to me, and he uh, he's, he just appeared on the street, and he said, do you remember this voice? And I didn't, but it was Mr. Minogue. It was my shop teacher, and um, he had actually a drawing that I did that I think I he confiscated from me, but I think <laughs> I might have gotten in trouble for it at the time. But he saw something in it that made him want to save it for all those years. Wow. But, uh, When I went back to my hometown, I realized, like, um, I felt like something left me. Like, there wasn't, people weren't thinking, oh, there's that little troublemaker, feral kid who was running around getting in all kinds of trouble. I think maybe I was a little too hard on myself. (laughs) Yeah, you
0: think? (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like it. I mean, isn't that interesting what we carry? Like, it's kind of like, what you're making me think um is somebody who's got this backpack filled with rocks so everything you're doing in life you're still doing with that like backpack that's filled with rocks mm-hmm. and it sounds like you let a couple of them out of the backpack yeah i think so <laughs> yeah yeah well good i'm glad because you know first of and all even think with about- the, uh,
1: the working through periods sometimes like just Pushing and pushing and pushing, and now I'm more likely to give myself a break here and there. I'm, that's awesome. And uh, so I think that has been something, one of the nice things about getting older.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's wonderful. And I, I think what has also helped me sometimes is watching, you know, and thinking, how would I talk to my kids? You know, sometimes we expect us to come out of the gate a fully formed, understanding adult and you know you're a kid (laughs) and so you know it, it is really it's amazing what we kind of put onto ourselves but I think that's a great that's actually not only a great lesson for you that's a great lesson for all of us that I think everybody can kind of look back and you know look at themselves whether they look at a picture or look at themselves and just kind of think yeah, you know, you probably just needed something you weren't getting. And let's just make sure that as as an adult, when we have a little more control, we can just kind of give ourselves what it is in life that we are seeking, ultimately, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, Lee, I just want to tell you once again, I love what you do. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people say this to you, um, but you've just really put there's such a humanity, even if I'm looking down at little animals, they're, they're imbued with a humanity, and that's what makes them appealing, and I appreciate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate your work, so
1: thank you. I love you. when people see that. It makes me yeah. feel like I'm accomplishing what I'm trying to accomplish, so thank you. Thank
0: you, and thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider giving it a great rating and following all the things you do when you like a podcast. Thank you to William Aronson for writing, producing, recording the Soulful Connections theme song. And once again, thank you for listening. I hope you keep tuning in.